right, well, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight's message and what you've put on my heart to share. I thank you, Father, that it will uh, fall on ears that are anointed to hear and minds that are open, hearts that are receptive. And I thank you, Lord, for boldness. I thank you, Father, that you said we're to preach the word boldly. I thank you for divine utterance in Jesus' name. And that your word goes forth unhindered in its action. and That it always accomplishes what it's sent to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this is the third part, probably the final part of this series that I've done. Just a small series on vision. And I called it Vision for Success. And of course, in January, you probably hear a lot of sermons like this, but I don't care. I think it's important to hear. And uh, I know that every year I look forward to preaching uh, on vision. And of course, I do it more, usually more than once a year. But this, this is something that is just such in my heart to teach and to preach. And I think maybe it's because I was raised with a visionary. My dad was very much a visionary. And... Um, he came out of just poverty, really, and uh, made such an uh, impact, not only financially in this world, but also as a Christian man, as a soul winner, and uh, just uh, such an inspiration in so many areas. So um, I really felt like he influenced me in this way. Um, and then, of course, you know, following the word, you can't help but have vision, right? <laughs> the Spirit of God upon you. Um, Acts says it so beautifully that when the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, then we'll have uh, dreams and visions. Amen. And that's not just sleeping dreams, although that can be a part of it. But, um, you know, we celebrated this week, Martin Luther King Jr., the uh, day that we celebrate him. And he, he ministered that he had a dream. And uh, how powerful that dream was and is and has come to pass. Amen. And so uh, you can dream something without sleeping is the point I'm making. And then you can, of course, have visions. You can have uh, all kinds of visions. I love what Brother Hagin used to say, a mini vision. You remember M-I-N-I, <laughs> the famous mini vision. And uh, I don't think we should discount that because that kind of glimpse uh into something that God wants you to see can be very powerful. Sometimes that mini vision, that glimpse can be a lifesaver. You know, something, some kind of direction in your life that you need to take or not take. And so uh, you can have those or you can have like a full open vision. So there's different kinds. But we want to just talk about how we can open up ourselves to that and, and, and uh, see some things. I'll review for a minute and then we'll uh, bring this teaching to uh, finality tonight, all right? Uh, we looked at several scriptures in Genesis, and I'll just mention these because we've already read them twice. Genesis 13, uh, uh, Abraham was led by God to look at the dust and count the dust. And I was teasing about that, you know, we've got a lot of dust, don't we? I mean, dust is everywhere. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to multiply your descendants like dust. Now that's a lot, isn't it? And then he took him and he said, look up at the sky in Genesis 15, 5, count the stars. Well, you know, if you start, if you're out on a really dark night, maybe out somewhere where there's not lights, city lights, etc., you're going to see just a magnificent view. 
of what you can't even count. And here he is saying to Abraham, count them, try to count them, because that's how your descendants will be. Now, we have to preface this by saying Abraham didn't have any seed at that time. Uh, He was uh, not able to have children. His wife was not able to have children, and they were up in age. So it was a double, what we say, a double whammy. Do you know what that means? (laughs) We say that in the South sometimes. Double whammy. You you know, both both ways, you're not looking so good at, at having a multitude of descendants. And then in Genesis 22, 17, we see that he said, look at the sand and at the stars again. This, I will greatly multiply your seed like, uh, or it says as the stars and as the sand on the seashore. So he's giving them a parallel to look. Look at this, right? Is this good? Everything good? Okay. So we are, we are, we are uh, told by God through Abraham that it's important what we look at. It's very important what you're looking at. Now, I love my husband because he, every, I mean, for tons of different reasons, but one of the reasons is, is that he wants to always create an environment around us in this church that's excellent, that's beautiful, that's, uh, clean, <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, presentable to uh, even the exterior, uh, to the community that makes this place shine because it's God's house. It's a place of worship, and we come here in this sanctuary to do just that, to worship him. We don't really use our sanctuary for anything else. It might be all right to do that. I don't know, but we, we feel like here that this is a, a sacred place, that is set apart for the ministry. And um, and so we keep it, and he especially has this vision, to keep it as nice as he possibly can. And, of course, we have a great team, praise the Lord, who have the same vision as their pastor to make it as as beautiful as it can possibly be at any time. Amen? And, and you know, I've been a pastor for years and years, and uh, I think sometimes we we, you know, I know in my life, we, we might not have a beautiful sanctuary like this, but we had a place to meet and once again trying to make it the best and make it as clean as possible and as presentable as possible. Uh, not that, you know, we don't have to have stained glass windows and everything, but, uh, that's not such a bad idea either if you want, if you want to be a beautiful church. But, um, to, to make it very, very special so that when people come to church, their, uh, their hearts are, just when they walk in the door, their hearts are drawn toward heaven, toward the Lord, toward the Holy Spirit. Amen? And um, I think that's important in, in all parts of our life. We, we try to do that with our home. It's not always in perfect shape, but for, for the best that we can do, we keep it um, clean and neat as possible and, uh, you know, a place of peace and love and joy. Amen. And your atmosphere can cause stress if you're hoarded up and junked up everything. You know? And uh, so anyway, what's, what surrounds us can definitely affect us. What we are, and the point is, what we are looking at. What we are looking at. Um, I said this as we closed out on our last session on vision, 
that um, you can walk in someone's office or even in their home and many times see pictures from the past, which is fine. But we need to see pictures of our future. You know, instead of seeing something, maybe we had this car way back and we were so proud of this car. It was a red whatever and so nice. Uh, that was great, you know, 20 years ago. But what are we looking for to drive next year or next week for that matter? What, you know, what are we, what is our future looking like? And many times we get stuck because we don't know what we're looking forward to. We don't know the future of what we're desiring and wanting. And that's why it's so uh, wonderful to think about it and then write it or put a picture up. Um, I have a friend that he flies airplanes, and he said that he had a couple of the planes that he had flown and, and even owned in his office. He was proud that he had had them. Praise God. But the Lord said, what are you going to fly next? Let's get a picture of that. And and so that you can see where you're going instead of just seeing where you've been. And I think that as Christians, we need to praise God, you know, wonderful past, hallelujah, God's been good to all of us, He's brought us through horrible things, and we're still here, amen. Uh, but also we need to know God wants us to continue. And I think Paul had a grasp of that when he said, I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He 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 said, the one thing I do is forget, <laughs> forgetting those things which are behind and pressing. So um, looking, what are you looking at? And God certainly showed Abraham how to imagine what his descendants were going to be, how God was going to multiply his descendants, the seed. Amen. And so he kept looking at it, kept looking at it. And then we, we also went to Jacob and saw how uh, Laban tried to uh, steal his uh, sheep and goats, etc. They had made an agreement, and Laban once again failed on the agreement and took all the, the speckled and striped and, the, you know, the goats that were multicolored and left with them, his sons left with them. And so Jacob uh, had branches and he put speckled and striped on these branches, put them near the watering trough. And when these animals came to look, they began to have, and they were solid, began to have these, uh, a big herd for him. Amen. And it tells how God uh, prospered Jacob through that, that he became a very wealthy man, very rich. So we see again, what are you looking at? And of course, we look over into the New Testament and Hebrews chapter 12 says, we are looking unto Jesus. We're looking unto Jesus. And I'm telling you, I think it's important every day, every morning, I try to, if I could possibly do it, uh, when I get up, unless I have an emergency or something going on, I try to immediately turn my eyes to Jesus because I tell you, the rest of the day usually just goes better when I'm looking at him first. Amen. When I look at his excellence, when I look at his majesty, when I look at his stability, he is a rock. Amen. And uh, in the crazy world we live in, we need something really solid. And he is that for all of us. But we, we, we've got to look at that. Um, one of my friends says, whatever you behold is what you will become. 
Whatever you behold is what you will become. And when we behold him, guess what? We start acting a little more loving and a little more patient and a little more kind. Amen? Because that's who he is. That's who the Lord is. So we look unto Jesus. Uh, James 1.25 says we look into the perfect law of liberty. Well, that's the word, isn't it? We find out who we are and we look into this mirror of the word and it changes us. And, and uh, you know, if you're looking in a mirror, if you maybe get up in the morning and look, you think, oh, we need to correct some things here. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know I start spraying my hair down a little bit because it's usually up and thinking, oh, I need to put on a little makeup here or this brush my teeth. Right. And when we look into the the word, we see, oh, I think I need to forgive that person that I've been holding that grudge against. Oh, I think I need to love my neighbor. I need to think about somebody else today but besides myself. So it helps us to make those little adjustments and look more like Jesus. Amen. So uh, we need to uh, really, really think about what we're looking at every day because it does affect us. So. What I would like to present tonight is what, what I call a vision board, and I have used it for the last couple of years. I've really always written down uh, visions and goals because of my father. He did that, and he accomplished uh, his goal, and he, he died. He passed away when he was 50, but he had accomplished uh, everything on, in his vision, which is interesting, isn't it? That's pretty young to come from, uh, you know, a poor family with alcoholism, et cetera, and then go to, you know, being a multimillionaire and and accomplishing what he wanted to do. But he did write it and he did speak it. He spoke the vision. He spoke it so much in high school that they put in his high school annual yearbook, they put a picture of him and they put Don Stevenson owns a motel in Panama City Beach called the Shalimar. Now, that's high school. <laughs> And he did, he, he was in Alabama. He didn't even live in Florida. So he knew what he wanted to do in high school. And I guess he talked about it so much that they put it in the yearbook. And, uh, of course he played football, professional football until he had enough money to buy the land in Panama City Beach, build the Shalimar. And he had it for 21 years until he died. So, uh, again, speaking and, uh, writing. Even seeing pictures of what you desire can be an amazing game changer in your life. And the, the Bible backs this up. This is not just motivational teaching tonight. These are things that I believe the Lord is saying to us. And we see it in Habakkuk chapter 2. We read that, but let's look, look at it again. You want to? Habakkuk chapter 2 uh, and verse 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision. Now, I, you know, for years have preached this, and there's sometimes I have written it, and sometimes I haven't written it. But I can tell you when I have written it, it has been amazing how those things have come to pass. And some of the things uh, were seemed absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. And I think that's the best thing, that you, if you can write it or put it on your vision board, do impossible things. Don't do something, well, I think I can accomplish this by just do something, put it up there that says, I could never do this in a million years. That's the kind of thing you want because that's God doing it and not our effort 
or struggle or, you know, trying to make something happen. Uh, get your dreams and visions for God, from God, because He just thinks bigger than we do. He really does. It's just something else. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, He can do things, um, in ways that you never dreamed either. Uh, I've used this example before. One of the things in my vision book, when I was pastoring in Panama City, we needed a music minister. And so I put, I have a music minister that loves me and loves the church. Now, I didn't mean love me like love me. I just, you know, I have had music ministers in the past that weren't so, I don't know, great. They were a little strifeful, a little takeover and all that. So I just was making sure that God knew I needed somebody that was helpful instead of hurtful, right? So, you know, it wasn't too much longer that David came along, we married, and then it dawned on me one day when I was reading through my vision book that I had a music <laughs> person who loved me and loved the church. Now, that's so awesome, isn't it? But I never would have dreamed that when I wrote it. And, and not that he's my music person, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he's, he's much... <laughs> He's much, he's much, much, much more than that in the kingdom of God. But that is this amazing talent, right? And anointing on him for that. So I was just, but, uh, it has been interesting the things that I've looked back on and seen. So Habakkuk says, write the vision. Um, you know, there uh, is a huge percentage higher, uh, of seeing things accomplished when you just write it, just by writing it. Now, writing it does not cost anything except a piece of paper and a pen. That's all it costs. Because some people say, I just can't, I can't write that down because it's going to be so much cost and this and then they try to imagine how it's going to happen. All you have to do is write it. (laughs) Write it down. Amen? Just write it. Get a picture of it. Make it plain so that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak. And I like to say, speak it until it speaks for itself. Amen? You speak it until it speaks for itself. Because it will. Though it tarry, sometimes it seems like it's a little longer than you want it to be. It says, wait for it. Wait for it. (laughs) Because it will Maybe it'll come. We don't know. Whatever God's mood is, no. It says it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now this, this Habakkuk, uh, you know, he was a prophet and, and if you read the first chapter, there was a lot of trouble going on. I mean, it was not a great time in, uh, in the, uh, kingdom there. There was iniquity. There was trouble, plundering, violence, strife, contention. So this, didn't depend on circumstances. And I think that's the very time, like kind of like 2020 and what we've experienced this year already. I think it's the very time to live by faith. Amen. And to write the vision. We're not shut down. You know, the Holy Ghost told me that not too long ago because all the, everything shut down, shut down, shut down. And I'm thinking, gosh, I guess we're just shut down. And the Holy Spirit said, you're not shut down. Amen? You are not shut down, Scott. Don't think of yourself as shut down. Because that can kind of get into your thinking. God can do amazing things when everything else is really going lousy. Uh, and, and Habakkuk got this from God when everything was pretty lousy. 
around him, strife and contention and violence. There was Habakkuk saw trouble and sin everywhere. Well, he's writing a vision. He's writing the vision in the midst of all that, living by faith. And it says that in verse uh, 4, Behold, his soul which has been lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, it's going to take faith to write something down that you want to do or you want to see or you feel like God wants you to do or see uh, when it seems impossible in uh, with man. It, it's going to take faith to do that, even to write it down. And some people won't do it. They won't even write it. But I'm telling you, if you just step out and just start writing, you'll be you you will have joy come to you just by that simple act of faith, just by simple act of faith. It'll be amazing. And one thing I learned is when I wrote all my dreams down for a particular time, a particular year, I thought, gosh, that's not much. See, and and when I thought about it all, it seemed huge. It seemed like, oh, my goodness, I'm, you know, just there's so much I want to do and see. And, and when I started putting it on paper, it just thought it just became really small. It was like, golly, I ought to believe God for more than this. So it becomes really uh, more, uh, uh, you know, not as impossible just by writing it down. Amen. And I know that sounds funny, but try it and see what you think. Uh, the just shall live by faith. Now, he God reiterates that three times in the New Testament. Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. Uh, now, vision, being a visionary is a person of faith. It's a per, you're a person of faith having visions and dreams. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't live and we shouldn't live by circumstances. Making the circumstances dictate what we do. And I tell you, I thank God for a husband that is full of faith because the things that we've been able to accomplish this year in the year of COVID have been absolutely amazing. I mean, and I'm not bragging on us because it hasn't been us, has it? It's just been simply that we refused to shut down and we decided that we're going forward in whatever God tells us to do this year. And, and I'm going to share a couple of things, not again, not to brag, but to, to brag on God and his ability and maybe help uh, just give testimony to that ability so that you enlarge and stretch. Amen. Um, uh, but don't live by circumstances. Really, we shouldn't live by feelings. I think that's a very dangerous way to live. Uh, we shouldn't live by our skill or ability because your skill could be you're a professional basketball player and you get hurt and then you're out and then what? What are you going to live by? So don't live by your skills. Don't live, don't even live by hard work. Now I'm not against hard work, but I do know that I can get over into that and, and thinking that I'm accomplishing a lot of stuff and not really, <laughs> I'm busy and I'm tired, but I'm not accomplishing that much. So living by faith trumps, don't you love that word, Trump? trumps all of that, trumps all of that. Living by faith, that's the way God wants us to live, not by circumstances, not by hard work, not by feelings or our skills or our abilities. Living by faith. Now, a lot of Christians 
Um, I, I think, because I know I have fallen into this category before, don't really live by faith. <laughs> you know, we don't really live by faith. And But we can start. We can start by writing, writing the vision, making it plain. Amen? Um, so I want to just share a little bit. I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, this principle works. I had a professor at Sanford when I was getting my ma- uh, my bachelor's degree, and she, um, Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, so she shared with us a story. Now, she's not a word of faith person. She's not a Kenneth Hagin person or a Kenneth Copeland person. She wasn't even in that at all. She was in another denomination that was pretty far from that. But she said that when she, she was teaching school, elementary school, and her principal had a, a meeting with all the staff, all the uh, teachers, and said, what I want y'all to do is write down everything that you could possibly ever want in your classroom and just act like you have all the money in the world to spend whatever to, to equip your classroom with the best of everything that you would need. I want you to write it down. Well, it wasn't too long after that meeting that this uh, multimillionaire in their town came and sat down with the principal and said, I want to do something for your school. And he said, I want to donate this much money, which was a lot of money, to help your school. But I want to know what it's going to go for. And I want to know right away. I don't want it just thrown away or just, you know, spent uh, with without thought. And so the principal called all the teachers that afternoon and said, who wrote down what all you needed? Well, there was only one person that did it. And it was my professor at Sanford. She had written and made this extensive list of everything that she would ever want in her classroom. And the principal took it to that man and he bought every part of it, everything she wanted. The only one that got it done. Amen? So, you know, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. Now, I don't know if somebody's going to show up and say, I want to finance your vision. What is it? But I'm telling you, I think that when we are prepared opportunity really comes when we're prepared for it. And and, and this is so simple just to write things down. So uh, I'm just going to share a couple of things. I, I was very um, inspired one day when my daughter came to see me in Panama City. This was way before David and I were married, and she came to visit, and uh, she had gotten a hold of just writing vision and writing things down for her life, and she had had a horrible divorce, been through terrible time, and uh, had lost everything financially and was in a bad place with student loans, etc. And so she had made some uh, financial goals and vision, and one of them was to have a million dollars. Now, that really convicted me because I thought, I've never put a million dollars on my vision board. I don't even know if I've written a million dollars down. Some of us really need to start thinking higher and writing a million. You need to write a million to just get used to looking at it. Amen? Just get used to the zeros because some people are so scared of money. And I know money is, is, uh, causes us to be more responsible and, and, you know, we have to be better managers. We have to step up a little bit when we get, uh, finances like that. But God can guide you. If he's guiding you now, he can guide you when you get a million dollars. Amen? Um, so don't be afraid of it. Just let the Holy Spirit bless you with that. 
Um, and, and so she had said, you know, and put on her vision, I'm going to have a million dollars by the time I'm 30. Million dollars. Well, she had come to visit me. She had married and, and had two children and she came to visit me and she said, Mother, I just got to show you something. My bank account. And she got it on the phone and I looked at it and it was a million and then some odd dollars in her bank account. And I said, what happened? She said, my husband got a million dollar bonus for this company that they had just signed with. And she said, it's in my account. (laughs) So that counts, doesn't it? I said, yes, it does count. Yes, it does count. Amen. I love what Creflo Dollar said. He has a million dollars, a million ways to get you a million dollars. So do you believe that? Well, I don't even think that matters to God. Well, if it matters to you, it matters to God. That's A. And then B, I don't think somebody that's walking on streets of gold is too shy about giving away a million dollars to somebody. Right? So we just need to think higher and, and more. So I went home and asked God to forgive me for believing too low, you know, too, too uh, shallow. And I put on my vision board a million dollars. Zero, 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 right? Amen. And then I didn't stop there. I said, my church, million, zero, 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 right? And I'm just looking at it. Praise God. And that didn't cost me anything to do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, not too far off from that now. So praise the Lord. God's good. But we need to be specific. We need to have uh, specific things on our on our boards or in our vision books. We need to look at them every day. Put we have one by our bed and we look at it all the time. We it's right there so we can see it. We don't have it hidden away somewhere. So we think, what was that vision we had? I don't know. Do you know, honey? No, I don't remember. Right? It can get there if you put it away. But we go over it in my vision book. I'll go over and and read it. And I'm telling you, we we need to do it every day. Uh, vague goals produce vague results. So we need to display what we are uh, believing for and what we're we're uh, wanting. Display it out of sight, out of mind. And what we what we meditate on with our mind is what's going to come into our life. It, it it's just going to to be a part of our life. So this year, I, I've told you this before, but I just love this part. In January. I, I told David, I said, let's, I just had it in my heart. I said, let's believe God for a thousand people to be saved this year. Now, this was last January, this time last year. Let's believe God for a thousand people to be saved in our ministry and a thousand people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, that, to me, that was like impossible because, I don't know, it just seemed like it. Now, he's the evangelist and he thought, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. You know, he had probably a lot more faith than I did, but I, at least I was trying, right? And I wrote it down. Well, that was January. Now, we had no idea that we were even going to Brazil at that time. But February opened up a very quick trip to Brazil. You know, all, all of a sudden, it was planned and it was done. And we went to uh, Brazil for, uh, I think it was 12 days, 10 or 12 days. And we spoke in 19 different locations, I think a total of 25 meetings or something. It was quite a schedule <laughs> that we took. But... Every place we preached, just hundreds came forward to get saved. Hundreds came forward to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And so we figured it out that a thousand had been saved and a thousand had been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
And I thought, wow, look at that. I know, I know, I know. I was going to say that too. <laughs> so uh, it was accomplished within a four-week time. Four weeks. Within four weeks, we had seen that happen. Now, that's remarkable, isn't it? And it was all done by the Spirit of God and just by, I believe, our stepping out and writing some things down. Uh, yes, that trip ended at uh, Rio de Janeiro where we were able to meet the mayor of Rio de Janeiro. Now, another thing I had written in my vision book is I want to meet influential people uh, and, and I want to have divine connections with these people. Why? Because when you have a divine connection, it multiplies the ministry that you can do. You know, you reach so many more people when you're connected and when you're even connected to people of influence, and that doesn't mean necessarily rich. I don't know. Sometimes it might mean rich, but uh, but influence is, is a big word. It can go across a lot of places, right? You can meet somebody on the street that lives on the street that has influence in all the homeless people's lives on the street. So uh, people of influence. Well, we met the, the mayor of Rio de Janeiro. We talked to him for a good while because he spoke English. <laughs> Thank God. And he had pastored a church and he loved the Lord. And, and uh, it was just such a, a, a neat experience. And then the president of Brazil was also at that meeting at Rio de Janeiro. And he, uh, we met him. And it was such a blessing to see them and to talk with them. And also, of course, to see them worship the Lord. We've talked about that, how they danced before the Lord and, and just worshiped in that huge venue. I think 150,000 yeah. people were there and we were just amazed to be in that and with that. And, uh, can't wait to get back to Brazil and see some more of that. Um, also we, we put on our vision board, uh, that we were going to go to Washington DC. You remember? And uh, then when the shutdown happened and everything, you think, oh, well, how could that ever come to pass, you know? Uh, however, we got a call from my uh, from our uh, daughter-in-law, Jane Horton, and she said, uh, David, they want you to come to the Pentagon and do an invocation. And so I thought, we're going to Washington. <laughs> so we did. We went to Washington, D.C., and not only did we get to uh, meet so many wonderful people at the Pentagon, but uh, we actually went into uh, uh, General Milley's office and stayed probably 30 minutes. I don't want to exaggerate. Was it 15, 20, 30 minutes? Uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, amen, he's the highest-ranking military officer, and principal military advisor to the president, the secretary of defense, and the national security council. We're in his office. Amen. Talking with this man and his wife was there too. Now, how can you make that happen? But I believe he would be a person of influence. Would you think that? <laughs> Amen. So what am I saying? Write your vision. Amen. Make it plain. Write it. Um, we also met in Washington, D.C., a Navy SEAL team leader. A Navy SEAL. Now, that's pretty cool, isn't it? We uh, uh, had a tremendous, you know, time, again, with uh, all of that. Uh, other things we wrote down, we wrote down uh, that uh, David wrote down last January that he would write a deep, settled piece, the book, A Deep, Settled Piece. Well, not only... Ha- uh, did he finish the book this year, which he did? Uh, but the foreword was written by Kenneth Copeland this year. Was well, such a blessing, right? 
And then uh, he wants to carry the book, he said, and also um, called us, uh, the, their ministry called us this week for an interview tomorrow uh, that he wants to put uh, a featured article uh, of Pastor David on uh, Voice of Victory magazine. So that's in the morning that's happening. And it all centered around this book that he wrote that was on our vision board to write. Now, isn't that something? You can't make that happen, right? We didn't ask for any of that, did we? Well, we did ask him to write the forward to the book. But all the other part of it just just came, amen? He said it was the best book that he's ever read on peace. Amen. Now, that's something, isn't it? It really is an amazing book. Praise God. So, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, it's just exciting to see the hand of God work. Uh, I've also, you know, one one of my goals through the years were, were to get my degrees. I wanted to get my bachelor's, which I did, my master's, which I did. And they're all miracles to be able to do that. But this year was the greatest because I always wanted to get my doctorate in ministry. My degrees were in counseling, uh, bachelor's and master's, but I wanted a doctorate degree in ministry. And this year, I had that written down. I got my doctorate degree in ministry, earned earned doctorate degree. Isn't that awesome? So praise God. It's so good. And he did it all. I mean, you know, these are things that were not really, uh, they, they, they were almost effortless things coming to pass. Uh, you do, you know, put action to your words. You, you move toward it a little bit just by looking at it every day. You move toward it. But I'm telling you, it's so much easier uh, when it, when you just let the Lord flow with you and go with you and direct you in these things. And it's amazing what he can do. Praise God. And then uh, just, you know, a couple other things for my birthday this year. One of the leading jazz artists in the United States played at our house. For my birthday. Now, that's another person of influence that uh, spirit-filled Christian. He sang with the Rhema Singers and Band, played. And uh, that was just a very, very special time. And then another woman of influence, uh, a billionaire that we had dinner with this year. That's pretty awesome. Praise God. Don't do that every day of the week. So uh, people of influence. And I wrote... Uh, because I was encouraged to by something I was reading. It said, write down 25 people that you want to meet. Write down 25 people that you want to meet. Whoever on the earth that you want to meet. And uh, so, you know, I started writing it and I thought, I can't even think of 25 people. That's awful, isn't it, that I want to meet? So I'm still increasing that list. I got to the place where I was just putting political leaders. or, <laughs> But you need to you need to be specific, right? So I'm going to narrow that list down, but I have I have a list of people, and this person that I was reading after that did that, they met all 25 of their people. Isn't that something? So if you want to connect, write down who you want to connect with. Write down these people that will inspire you. These people who are uh, examples. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we'll go tonight. We won't, don't want to keep on going, but we could. Because I'm telling you, God has done one thing after another, hasn't he, babe? And we're so grateful to him. Again, we're not bragging on us. Uh, but he is magnificent in his work. And he, according to Ephesians 3.20, 
can do exceeding abundantly above anything, anything that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And I'm telling you, there's power working in you. It's, there's a lot of power there. <laughs> so let it, let it work and write it down. Amen. All right. Father, we just thank you for this night. We thank you so much that you're such a good God and you have so many desires for us that, that, uh, we want to accomplish and we want to achieve and we want to see happen, not just so because we're, uh, wanting, uh, glory or any kind of glorification, but we want to glorify you, Father, and your greatness and how you want our lives to be significant. And I just want to pray for everybody here tonight. And, and again, Lord, I thank you for reminding me that, that we shouldn't think because we're of a certain age that we don't have vision, that we don't have dreams and that We've accomplished everything and done everything because we see in your word where you use so many people of age. And so we, uh, we just ask and, and, and really inquire of you to renew our minds so that our youth is renewed like the eagles and that we write down and we put pictures up and we move forward and press forward. While we're on this earth, Lord, we will continue to increase and to stretch and to take uh, steps of faith in your kingdom to bless and to help and to influence others toward you and your grace and your mercy. So, Lord, I, I ask you to encourage every person here, no matter what their age, no matter what the ones who are watching on live stream, no matter what their age, even if they they think they're too young tonight, I, I pray that you'll encourage them to, to start now and put their dreams down and put their visions down and, and watch your grace at work. And I thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.